0: Welcome to the Crazy Confidence Podcast where I'm going to help you explore areas where you can be more confident in your body and business and motherhood and friendships. We're going to talk about it all. I'm ready for you to stop falling asleep to your life and start living the life we're called to live with confidence. I'm your host, Nikki Wilson. Let's get to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Crazy Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Wilson. I am a body image coach and just general women's cheerleader. <laughs> I love seeing women pursue things that are beyond their superficial looks, their body, you know, the whole thing. Just I want women to go beyond trying to chase down an old body size or weight and just, you know, live the life that God intended them to live. Live your life, people. Live your life. Do something that matters. Do something big. You know, I mean, I'm here for you, sister. I'm here for you. I, um, I get the journey of being dissatisfied with your body. But, but I don't believe in wallowing in self-pity. And I don't believe in working on a bunch of stuff that you can't really change. So do your best and try to focus on the talents and the wonderful things that God has given you. We don't have every day promised. And I just think that sometimes women wake up, they're, you know, 35 years old wondering, oh, what the heck? What the heck am I doing with my life? I feel like I'm just sitting around not using any gifts or talents, wondering why I'm so bored and unsatisfied and maybe even a little bit bitter sometimes. So I don't want that for you, girl. I want you to live a satisfied life and a life of purpose. So let's stop chasing that smaller body and let's get to live in a bigger life. That is my mission for you. And I love doing these podcasts, just help you get a little bit, a little bit braver in your journey to loving your body, loving yourself, loving your life. Okay, okay, okay. Do me a favor real quick. I'm gonna do this on the front end. If you love this podcast I need you to go over to your little um, iPod icon on iTunes or your little app i iPod app for iPod podcast. Why am I saying iPod? I haven't had one of those since two thousand and three. People, your podcast app. How about that? And let's give me a rating and subscribe to the podcast. It takes like. Two seconds to rate it. It takes like 60 seconds to maybe just drop me a nice little verbal review. I really appreciate it. That's how podcasts get pushed out that. And and if you don't mind just sharing with a friend, if this is helpful information to you, or if you go back to the other episodes that are available, maybe listen to one of those and share those with friends. But it is very helpful for you to leave a review, a five-star, and say a little something if you have time. I know we live in a world that's super fast. We live in the microwave culture. We want it now. We want it fast. We don't want to mess with it. But I appreciate it if you could. I really would. I really would. Okay, today I want to talk to you guys about something that really changed my life, and I think it could be totally transformational for you too. It's something, it's actually a book. It is a book. I want you to know, I take no credit for this. It is a book called Intuitive Eating. And it's by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Raich. They are um, amazing women who kind of debunked diet culture And showed women another way, another really normal, hello. I don't know if you know this, but God didn't really create diets. He didn't really create your body to um, diet. (laughs) He created us with a very normal system of, hey, do you feel that little hunger pain? That means it's time to eat. And that's that. He also created all kinds of body types. I don't know if you know that. And throughout the years, we've convoluted that. We think that larger bodies, maybe bodies that are a little more fat are bad. But honestly, if you go back into history and look at some of the beautiful artwork and pieces of sculptures and just the, the real old stuff, um, fatter bodies were beautiful. That was what was portrayed as beautiful. And so it ebbs and flows, right? But right now in the culture we live in, we think that skinny bodies are best. The more emaciated you look, the more successful you are. And that's unfortunate because God did make people with larger bodies and smaller bodies. He made thin and he made fat. He made both. You can be healthy at every size. And you know, I believe In taking care of your body, even if it doesn't or is unable to get super skinny, I do believe that taking care of it is part of the deal. I think You should move your body for joy. I think you should nourish your body and eat. So it's really convoluted. But one of these things, intuitive eating came into my life when I just was kind of like, okay, everybody I know is on a diet and has been since I was, you know, 18 years old. I've never been a huge dieter myself. Um, I've always been, I know if you've listened to my stuff before, you know I'm more of a compulsive exerciser. That was kind of more my thing. So I had to get a grip on that and did. But then, you know, I did start to dabble a little bit into like, hey, let's do macros. You know, once my metabolism really, uh, kind of started slowing down around the age of like 35. I am a naturally pretty thin person. And after baby number three came, my metabolism did slow and it was really noticeable. And I'm not gonna lie, it freaked me out a little bit. So I kind of started dabbling in and I'd done dieting before. Just, I'd never really been able to stick to it. Uh, but I started doing macros and, which is basically where you count your carbs your protein and your fat and, um, it's supposed to be flexible for me. It was hell. Uh, <laughs> you really like, weigh it, you measure it, you write it down. It's very compulsive for me. I know it works for some of you. Don't come hate on me, um, with your macros. We talked about this last week. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back and listen to it. Just about my daily non-negotiables. I believe we need fat. We need protein. We need carbs in a macro sense, I just can't count them. If I weigh myself, if I count calories, if I weigh my food, if I compulsively write down my food tracking, that makes me a crazy person, okay? It makes me crazy, and it might make you crazy too. I'm just not one of those people who's like, I use it for data, and that's what I do, and it's so flexible. It's not flexible at all for me, so it did not work. So go back and listen to actually like the bridge I made from like dieting slash macros to my fit and free method. And then kind of that fit and free method bridged over to fully intuitive eating. Okay. So that is, that's kind of the journey that I'm going to take you on. So we talked about that. We talked about the fit and free and daily non-negotiables for me. So This will make sense to you if you go back and listen. And then today I want to talk about intuitive eating because I think there's such a misnomer for what intuitive eating is. The minute I mention intuitive eating to people, they think a couple things. They think one is, oh, my God, if I'm an intuitive eater, I just sit around and eat junk food all day, right? And then the second thing but I think it's a little more buried beneath the surface, I don't think people realize they think it until – they start panicking about it because it's not prescriptive. Remember we talked last week on the episode about how we're obsessed with prescriptives in our lives. Just tell me what to do. I'm a zombie. Can't think for myself. Need full instructions. Like that's kind of how we live all of our life. <laughs> but especially um, in our diet, nutrition, lives. We just really want the zombie prescriptive method. And the problem is not everybody is suited to those diets. Um, But what happens with intuitive eating is people start to freak out. They freak out because they're like, oh my God, you're leaving it up to me? I was like, yeah, I'm leaving it up to you to decide when you're hungry, when you're not. So intuitive eating becomes a little bit scary because there's no prescriptives around it. And it feels like you're going to be a free-for-all. And here's the deal. At first, you might be a free-for-all. You might be eating everything in sight and feeling out of control because you're not used to listening to your body. But I promise you, if you just go on the journey, those things start to become more, well, things start to become easier for you to listen to your body, to eat when you're hungry, to listen to your hunger cues. Things like that, Um, the things that are scary, because that really is, I think, why so many people diet. I mean, (laughs) to diet is to be an American woman, and I think it's just because it's scary to be like, "You mean you're gonna do it on my own?" Here's the other thing: it people become fearful. This is like the third big thing. This this might be the bigger, the biggest thing. I should have started here. People worry that if they do intuitive eating, they're going to gain weight. And the fact of the matter is you might, you might, but the thing about it is it becomes totally sustainable. And that's the thing, that's the differentiating point between intuitive eating and dieting is that dieting is not sustainable. Cutting calories every single day for the rest of your life probably isn't sustainable. And if it is, if you've gotten to where you're slicing calories, your metabolism eventually catches up to you and says, what the heck's going on here, girl? What the heck? What are you doing? I'm going to give you some fat and cortisol because you're starving yourself. And then your metabolism catches up. For some people, it's short. Some people, it's longer. Some people can keep weight off for like, you know, a year. Some people can only keep it off for like, you know, a couple weeks. But your metabolism catches up. Whether it's fast or slow or whatever, and gives you what you need. And so, you know, you can't outdo the body smarts wise. So, the thing about dieting is it's not sustainable. The minute you've been restricting, 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 and you eat that piece of chocolate cake, guess what happens? Your body's like, Ooh, I like that chocolate cake. Your mind goes off, this alarm goes off. And like, things start happening. And so we we kind of make it into this failure system. And it's not a failure, it's just like a simple response from your body. And so, so the thing about intuitive eating is maybe you gain weight, you might not, I don't know. But it is such a sustainable way of life to where, you know, I always say you got to count the cost. And to me, to be a little bit heavier, is so much more comfortable knowing I'm eating the way is that it's normal. And I'm not sitting around, you know, contrary to popular belief about intuitive eating, just eating Oreos all day. I joke about that all the time. If you eat Oreos all day, you're sitting around, you're going to start to feel it in other ways. Okay, you're going to get constipated. You're going to feel yucky and bloated and sick. You'll probably get sick. So that's not what intuitive eating is. I just need you to hear that. It is not sitting around eating... Junk all day. It is not giving up on yourself. It's just not those things. Okay. So I want to read the 10 principles to you today, kind of go over them. But what I really want you to do this is from the book, Intuitive Eating, Evelyn Trivoli and Elise Reich. And I want you to go get it. It's the link will be to Amazon in my show notes for you to get the book if you think you're ready. There's also a workbook that goes with it. And it's absolutely fabulous. It's life-changing. So if you think you're ready, and we'll go over a couple steps that you'll know if you're ready or not. And I think you need to go for it. Just order the book. It's super cheap on Amazon. I think it's less than $10. Ridiculous. Um, And you can get the workbook, too. It's amazing. But listen, this takes time. The microwave culture, you know, This is the um, slow pressure cooker kind of thing, okay? This is the marathon mentality that I always talk about. Um, You've got to get it out of your mind that this is a short fix. Let me do it now. It's easy. Oh, good. I learned it in a week and good to go. No, some of you who have been on a diet forever, like since you were like eight years old, this is going to take some undoing, my friend. Some major undoing, okay? If you're more like me and you didn't start dabbling with, you know, body dissatisfaction and over-exercising and dieting, macros, all the things. Like, that, for me, was only, was a very short period of time for the dieting aspect so it was a little easier for me to grasp onto paired with, we talked about this a lot in last week's episode, I moderation comes easy to me. Math, algebraic equations, trigonometry does not come easy to me. <laughs> okay, so I don't want you to think everything comes easy to me. Organizational skills don't come easy to me. Okay. But what comes easy to me is moderation, living a life in moderation. Okay. So I know it's going to be different for each person and you need to know that too. So, um, you know, this takes time. It's a marathon mentality. Some people, it catches on right away and they are intuitive eaters in, you know, three months. It just makes sense. It clicks. And some people are like, dang, I've been doing this for like two and a half years and it's just now clicking, but they're sticking with it either way. Okay. So we're going to talk about some of the, it's basically the pillars of intuitive eating. Again, check out the book. This is not my stuff. This is a genius book, intuitive eating that's already written. Check it out. You can Google it. Um, and the link is in or the links are in my show notes. Okay. 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 So the first principle, and you're not ready if you're not ready to get beyond this one. you got to do this first one. It's reject the diet mentality. Whew. Hardest one. Hardest one. Because we swim in diet culture. Remember, I say this all the time. To be an American woman is to be a professional dieter. Okay? So... What you're going to do, you've got to throw out all the books, the magazines, um, all the people in your life. (laughs) You don't throw them out, but you're just going to, like, turn your hearing aid. Pretend you have a hearing aid and you just turn it off when they start talking about all their diet stuff. And, I mean, I think even for now, it's like um, turn off your Instagram or unfollow freaking people on Instagram who tell you you need to be on a diet and they have this diet and this diet's really good and this is it's flexible it's easy it's healthy no Uh uh-uh throw it out okay unfollow you have the right to do that it doesn't have to be in your face all the time but you've got to give up on the hope that this diet this one last try one last rendezvous with dieting is going to work because it's not probably I just like to to tell people this like Think about the last diet you were on, okay? And think about the last diet. How about this? Think about the last diet you lost weight on, okay? So when was the last time you were on a diet that really worked? It was great. It worked. It worked, okay? So think about that time in your life, and now think about how long did that weight loss or the weight loss results work? How long did that last? so why, if you know the answer to that, and I know the answer to that, I know, why do you keep trying more if it's not suitable for your lifestyle? Because if it was, you'd be doing it every day, Monday through Sunday, and you probably put on more weight after than before, then why do you keep doing it? Just asking for a friend. Okay. So you got to reject the diet mentality. Like this whole framework does not work if you don't give it up. If you don't get that voice out of your head that says, I'm going to try one more time. No, nope, you're not. Okay. You're not going to go back to that old mean ex boyfriend. You're going to look for a nice guy. It's intuitive eating. Okay. Okay. Number two, you honor your hunger. Ooh, this one's good. You keep your body biologically fed with adequate energy, with carbs, people. If you don't do this, you trigger a primal drive. Listen to this. A primal drive to overeat. Listen to this. Once you reach the moment of excessive hunger, all intentions of moderation Conscious eating are fleeting and irrelevant. Did y'all need to hear that? The people in the back. Once you eat, reach the moment of excessive hunger, all intentions of moderation and conscious eating are fleeting and irrelevant. Meaning, if you get hangry to the point of punching someone in the face, you know, or passing out just waiting for that next meal, just white knuckling. I know I'm just, I'm not supposed to eat until noon. Ah, and it's 1045. Well, guess what? You've already like messed it all up, <laughs> okay? Like your metabolism freaking out. You've got to be biological about it. It's a biological response. you got to eat, okay? So you learn to honor your hunger cues, and that is really hard for people to do. Because again, prescriptives, we want the prescriptives, right? We just want them. Okay, number three, make peace with food. I talk about this all the time. You gotta make peace with food. You've gotta give yourself permission to eat when you want and what you want. And I talk about this a lot, just like there shouldn't be forbidden foods. I I really talk a lot about, um, dismantling like the food morality model where it's like, that's a good food. Yay. Broccoli. That's a bad food. Boo ice cream. You're bad. You know, you've got to take that like religious morality out of food and, and neutralize it. And most people don't know this, but because what we chalk this up to is failure and it's not failure. It's a, it's a mind response our brain response is, you know, when you restrict something, the more you will binge on it later. Okay. Because your mind just says, I want it. 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 Uh, you know, just like I, I liken it to the mean ex-boyfriend your high school boyfriend. And all your friends are like, he's horrible. ah, And you're like, oh, but I I want to be with him just one more time. Just one more time. Just one more time. And then you regret it, you know? And so it's that vicious cycle because it's like food morality. It's good and bad. And then it's a shame cycle, right? Because you failed. So you didn't fail. It's, it's just that it's a mind response. It's a physiological response too. So you've got to give yourself unconditional permission to eat and make peace with food. That's number three. This one's one of my favorites. Number four, you're going to challenge the food police. Um, and, and that's this kind of goes back to the morality. Um, but, but food police is diet culture, basically. Food police, they live in our mind and our brain, deep, 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 deep down in our psyche. They're the ones... And maybe it's your favorite Instagram person. I always make fun of Whole30 because I think Whole30 is like the queen bee food police. She's like the chief of police up there just with on her high horse looking down, ready to arrest you at any moment if you don't eat clean, if you don't eat that fresh food from your beautiful garden. Um, you know, it's like that's the ultimate food police. That lives way down in our psyche and tells us we're good and bad. Okay. So you got to challenge them. You've got to shut it down. And this is kind of the one of the parts that has to be unlearned. Right? This is unfollowing people. Again, unfollowing, saying thanks Aunt Debbie, I really appreciate what you learned about, you know, whole how bad this and that whole grains and blah blah blah. You know, like you've got to challenge that. And of course, you guys I'm talking if you have a legit food allergy, If you do, that's one thing. I mean, I know people who are deathly allergic to um, gluten, like they can't have it. But then I also just know people who think they might function better in their brains if they didn't have gluten. And I'm not here to make a gluten argument. You can do your data research and debunk that for yourself. Now, again, if you're allergic to it, I know people are and it's terrible, but Y'all, the food police, it's all part of the system, okay? So you got to challenge things that you hear. Don't take every little person you hear on the interwebs for the Bible, okay? you got to do some research yourself. Look at good medical data, okay, on this and challenge these people. Challenge the food police, okay? Because they're going to bury themselves deep down in your psyche. Ah, okay. This is number five, discover the satisfaction factor. I love this one because I think we as Americans, I can't speak for any other country. You guys can tell me if your country does this too. We remove like the pleasure aspect of food. And I just would say this, this is not in the book, but Food and gathering around the table and eating things that are rich with tradition and love and fun, they are, it's a biblical thing. Jesus is always at the table with his friends, breaking bread, drinking the wine, you know, like it, it there's a pleasure to it as well. It is a gathering together. It is okay to have some kind of satisfaction with your food. I don't think food was created to just be like this bland experience of, of let me just eat my baked fish and broccoli dry with no salt. You know, I I just don't think that was like any way that is sustainable for life. Okay. So let's, let's just discover the satisfaction factor. And you know, I've, I've really kind of become the master of, like, you know, some people need to, like, indulge and have, like, the big piece of cake that, like, will satisfy them. I'm kind of a sampler. I think I, I like to talk about this in Fittonbury, too. Like, you might be the indulger or the sampler. I think you kind of move into those to make food non-forbidden, you know, and just, i like to just sample things. Like I can have a little bite of that cake. I can have a little nibble of the cheesecake and maybe a little bit of the cookie. And I just don't need to like make myself miserable by stuffing my face, but I love to just try a little bit of everything and that satisfies me. And it may be different for you. That's why you just have to kind of feel what works for you. You know what I mean? So, discover a satisfaction factor. Don't, I I always tell people like, if you're going to eat a salad, I love big salads, love it. But let me tell you, don't listen to the people who negate if you put some cheese on your salad or some ranch dressing. I love a good ranch dressing, don't y'all? I mean, can we just agree on that? If it's, you know, like some restaurants just make the ranch dressing. And you can tell it's from scratch, and I just want to, like, drink it. Maybe I have before. I'm just going to say I love a good homemade ranch. But don't negate the fact that you're eating a, a salad with lettuce and cucumbers and tomatoes and, like, fresh garden things just because you put ranch on it. Like, I just don't believe in that. I don't believe in negating the bad and the good. I mean, I think you can have both. And you've got to discover that. If eating vegetables is going to be easier for you if you put some ranch dressing on them, great. You're eating vegetables with ranch dressing. I mean, like, I just, that that's how I believe. You can come at me later. It's fine. But I just think you shouldn't negate it. I just really don't. I think that's just putting more moral obligations around food. And I don't think that's healthy for your psyche. Okay? All right. Feel like your fullness, number six. Um, you have to trust, um, that when you give yourself foods that you desire, um, you will be able to listen to your body that tell you that you're not hungry anymore, that you can sit and observe the signs that you're comfortably full. P.S. Pause in the middle of eating and ask yourself, does it still taste good? What's the hunger level? If I eat these last four bites, am I going to be doubled over in pain and having to unbutton my pants? That is what I love about intuitive eating. And that's what I think people miss. They think you're just eating and eating and eating and eating. Boo, boo. That ain't intuitive. The essence of intuitive is to listen for cues from within, right? (laughs) So you're listening to the cues from within. To honor your fullness. If you can't have the last four bites without unbuttoning your pants, then you probably need to stop. And that's hard to do. And that's why people get like discouraged with intuitive eating. But you guys, remember, this is like practice, practice, practice. We're going to eat every day, right? We eat three meals a day. That's practicing three times a day. Okay. So that is a huge huge part of intuitive eating is being able to feel your fullness and honor it, okay? Okay, moving more into less of the food aspect, more of the mental health aspect, which is a huge part of intuitive eating. Cope with your emotions with kindness. That's number 7. You have to recognize that food restriction physically and mentally can in and of itself trigger a loss of control <gasps> because that's what eating issues are. It's a loss of control and then it can feel like emotional eating. You've got to find ways to comfort and nurture and distract yourself um, that don't necessarily have to do with food. Food is not going to fix your anxiety or your loneliness or your sadness, it comforts it, but it doesn't numb it out, okay? It doesn't solve the problem, okay? So, you know, when you read the book, even when you have the book, it gives some really good non-eating ways to cope with the emotions. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about, like, when people are like, I'm addicted to food. I just don't know about that, but I do know people numb out I mean for me I don't really numb out with food and I don't numb out with alcohol but what I tend to find for myself is that I numb out with shopping online shopping so you know we all have these coping mechanisms and they become very discreet um, and very like part of our everyday life and so you know For those of you who do find that when you're anxious or sad or mad or angry or whatever the emotion, you've got to find a way to cope that's beyond food, just like how I have to really, sometimes if I'm like on this rampage of buying, 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 now I know it is actually after reading intuitive eating that I discovered, well, mine's not really food. Mine is like online shopping, bro. And I really have to recognize now my feelings when I'm doing it. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling like incredibly anxious right now. Why am I on the Anthropology app buying like weird shoes? Oh, yeah, it's because I like coronavirus rates are skyrocketing in my city. And everybody's doing like decision fatigue. And I have decision fatigue listening to everybody else have decision fatigue. And so I'm shopping and I'm numbing. Okay, Um, and some people do it with food. Maybe you do. And that's when you find other ways to cope. And um, reading the book is really helpful to see like other ways to cope. I mean, a lot of times it's taking a walk, listening to a podcast, maybe just calling a friend, reaching out to a friend, texting them like, hey, do you have time to process some of these feelings with me? Let me know. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's just reading a fiction book just letting your mind escape. All those things are ways to cope. Obviously, therapy is always an option. Sometimes it's not something that you need therapy for. You just need to redirect your thoughts. Okay. So I love that one. Really good stuff in the book if you get there. Um, Number eight, respect your body. Ah, Here we go, y'all. I say this all the time. And when I read this in Intuitive Eating, I felt like Intuitive eating knows me. (laughs) These authors know me. They see me. They know what I've been trying to tell people. Okay. Um, Respect your body number eight. Accept your genetic blueprint. Just as a person with a shoe size would not expect, a shoe size of an eight would not expect to squeeze into a size six, it is equally futile and uncomfortable to have similar expectations about a body size. This really just all goes back to the dignity that we give all bodies. Some bodies are larger, my friends. Some bodies are smaller, my friends. And that's the way we were made. And you better respect and honor it. You can't change it. Maybe for a time, but not long term. Look at your genetics. Look at your DNA. I mean, I know sometimes that feels womp, womp. But that's a realistic look to kind of get into, settle into these other aspects to know, I I think it's just a promising thing to know, you know, this is my genetic blueprint and I can honor the way I treat my body and start to be okay with who I am. That's just a beautiful thing. Okay. Moving through these number nine, feel the difference in movement. Don't be militant in your exercise. Just get active and feel the difference. I love this one. I used to be criminal in the way I would tell people to exercise. Just like if it's, if you're not almost dead at the end, then you're not doing good. And I just so have changed my tune to that. Even as a personal trainer, I now it's just, am like, when people hate something, they hate it. <laughs> it's like, there's no loving it. And I think if you haven't found exercise you like, it's because you haven't looked hard enough. And I guarantee you can move your body in some way that is not militant style exercise. I actually like militant style exercise, but maybe you don't. I used to be really mean about Zumba. I was like, it's not really a workout. You're not getting super strong. You're not getting muscles. You're not, you know all this stuff. We're like hating on it basically. And now I'm like, shoot, if Zumba is gonna get you moving and you love it and you're mentally feeling good and physically feeling good and just feel like you're feeling yourself, then girl, do it. Do it. Find something that works for you. Make movement joyful. It's not sustainable. Again, it's all about sustainability if you don't love it. Okay, number 10. Honor your health with gentle nutrition. This is like when you're the MVP ninja black belt in intuitive eating. Okay. This is the last step. It says you make food choices that honor your health and taste buds while making you feel good. Remember, you don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. Ooh, this is coming from two professional dietitians, clinical, right here. You don't have to eat perfectly to be healthy. You will not. Suddenly get a nutrient deficiency or become unhealthy from one snack. Hello? One meal. Hello? Or one day of eating. It's what you eat consistently over time that matters. Progress, not perfection, is all that matters. Okay? Progress, not perfection, is what counts. Oh, my gosh. If that's just not the summary of all I try to teach one day of eating Oreos all day, it's fine. It's not going to mess you up in the long run. Consistent, consistent, consistent. Action over perfection. Progress over perfection is what matters. Okay, guys. If you want to dialogue with me about this, you know I'm a safe place. You can email me, Nikki, N-I-C-K-I, at Nikki-Wilson.com is my email address. And I love talking to you on Instagram. If you want to DM me, my Instagram is in the show notes, but it's at underscore Nikki, N-I-C-K-I, W-I-L-S-O-N, underscore, And I'd love to hear your thoughts in the DM if you want to shout out, shout me out there. Uh, Again, if you would just share, give it a rating, and subscribe to this. I would greatly appreciate it, you guys. Okay, go buy this book and let me know your thoughts. Thanks for being with me, and I'll see you next week.